Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. And we are here for our first race preview of the 2021 season. Uh, I'm your host this week, Tom, and I am joined as always by Chris. Woo! <laughs> Woo again, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and <Woo>. Stu. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that was oh, that was a very enthusiastic whoop whoop. Yeah, first first preview of the season. I'm I'm hyped. I'm excited. I won't yeah. be this enthusiastic next week after I've worked until midnight on race weekend. <laughs> but, um, so I need to get it out of my system now. So <laughs> yeah. Well, we will be covering all things Bahrain um, over the course of this show and looking ahead, new predictions, all that kind of jazz. Uh, but we have obviously got some news because. Things are always moving fast in the world of F1. Wait, and there's oh a lot God. of circuit news oh. this week, actually, isn't there? A lot of, that wasn't even intentional. Do you know what? That wasn't even intentional. It wasn't until you groaned that I thought, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. This is what happens when you don't have a script for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage like that oozes. <laughs> but yeah, we've got some circuit news in particular um, and some interesting driver signings. So I'll hand over to Chris and we'll go through some of that. It's been a while since we've had circuit news, isn't it? That used to, I feel like that was a regular yeah. thing back in uh, years gone by, but I guess a global pandemic's not a good time to start doing major construction <laughs> projects. But. Yeah. Well, that and they finally decided not to have a Miami Grand Prix. That helps, yeah. Or have they? Have they? I don't know. I think it's still, they keep still saying it's <laughs> like discussions are ongoing. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, a race we do have, though, is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in December, which sounds mad to say an F1 race in December, and it's not even the last one of the season. Nope. <laughs> um, the Jeddah Street Circuit has been revealed. Uh, 6.175 kilometers, which means it's um, Spa is the only circuit on the calendar longer than it. 27 corners, which is more than any other circuit on the calendar. Although, to be fair, yeah. calling some of what they've called corners corners is being extremely generous yeah having yeah. having made that content and having <laughs> had to put the turn numbers in for uh for each corner i can tell you that a, at least seven of those do not count as corners in the formula one no yeah i'd agree a kink at best yeah especially when we go to places like istanbul and there's four corners linked together that we just call turn eight yeah exactly <laughs> all of those are more each one of those four apexes are more of a corner than some of these <laughs> this, on this, this you're right you're actually right <laughs> it's mad isn't it it's, it is it's bonkers but they wanted 27 corners they've got 27 corners <laughs> it's it's weird like because there's like turn two at austria which is just the very slight left hand kink up the hill but yeah it, it is a turn because they also have MotoGP there. And for a MotoGP bike, that is a legitimate turn. I can guarantee no MotoGP is going to be going on at the Jeddah Street circuit. <laughs> so it looks hectic, doesn't it? it yeah. Looks really so good. F1 have said in simulations, they are expecting the average speed to be potentially over 250 kilometers an hour, which is about 155 wow. miles an hour. If that is the case, it will be a faster circuit than Silverstone Spa and the Red Bull Ring. It'll potentially be second only to Monza in terms of average speed, which is insane wow. for a street I mean, circuit. Look at it. I mean, all closed yeah. in as well. Like It's like Monaco and Monza. It's Monzaco. It's the return Monzaco. of Monzaco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't we do this with another circuit? Monzaco. <laughs> Baku, wasn't it? Monzaco. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. It's the return of Monzaco. The, Monzaco's replacement. It, um... It reminds me of a lot of different circuits, actually. Um, 
I've seen some people say it looks like a really stretched out um, Montreal kind of. Yeah, um, I see that. It reminds me of oh, which Formula E circuit is it? Um, not Santiago. Oh, it's going to bother me now. Which Formula E circuit? Is oh, this? Chris. I've let myself down. I've let. I've oh, let yeah, I mean, let yeah, you went for down. it as well. I know you went I did for that link as well. My brain was like, Shame. "Oh yeah, Santiago," and then immediately realised it absolutely wasn't. Punta del Este—that's the one. A um, little bit reminiscent of that. It does look. It looks like a circuit that's going to be spectacular to watch on Saturday. I'm not convinced that. 80% at best of that isn't going to be single file, especially from watching the onboard mm. they put together. That's yeah. that's my concern. Yeah, there's only a couple of what you'd consider like really heavy braking zones, really, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I think the thinking is, so like th- there is a really long section um, f- for the final, I guess, seven corners leading up to turn 27. <laughs> um, three, at least three of those aren't corners. Uh, they... It's a really fast, no-breaking section after a, a chicane. So I guess the thinking is to sort of do a similar thing to what they've got in Baku, where you've got like a very, very slow hairpin. Yeah. And then um, just miles of straight road afterwards. Yeah. Into a huge, huge braking zone for the final corner of turn 27. So, and and there is definitely room to overtake in that final corner. It's, it's quite open, but... You could also set yourself up for like a run down into turn one as well because I mean it's a long straight, but that that turn one's the tightest corner of the bunch, yeah. isn't it? Turn uh, four, circuit. man. Turn four. Well, turn four as well. You're not, yeah, get, yeah. you're not getting through there. <laughs> like turn four is it's fast and it's single file. Like yeah. it looks yeah. like a proper balls to the wall. That's where you're making time and qualifying through turn four. Yeah. In that circuit. And th- there's a, there's a couple of chicanes out there where there's time, you know, it's possible to make up time in those areas, but um, it, it's, it been... looks a hectic track. It, it, I think it will be a really good, good circuit for qualifying on qualifying day race day. You, you don't really know until you get all the cars on track, but, I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, it should be good. I, yeah, I think four's the one that reminded me a little bit of the way that they fly through the swimming pool complex at yeah, Monaco yeah. when I was just on board. I think they've tried to recreate that actually, mm-hmm. looking at mm-hmm. it and having watched the onboard extensively. They've said there's potentially going to be three DRS zones. I think one one down the start finish straight, one in on that long curve towards the last corner. Then I think one. A little before that, potentially. Um, I would, maybe one down into the, the the hairpin at the other end, turn thirteen. It's not maybe. really a hairpin is the problem. That's that's my biggest issue. I think is the the quote unquote hairpins at either end. They're actually quite long corners. I wish they, mm. especially last corner, I wish it was a bit tighter and a bit of a bigger stop. Um, but. It's still a big stop, though, Chris. That's still a massive stop. Yeah, I suppose it's in relation to the speed. speed. Yeah, in relation to the speed that you'd be doing approaching it, it probably is a bigger stop than it would be on a lot of other circuits for the same kind of corner, I think. Yeah. I mean, time will tell, won't it, when we see the cars like really going around it. I mean, not many people had much hope for Baku when we first went there, and I think that's proved itself um, over the years. So, yeah. We shall see. It's, I mean, it's a heck of a setting as well. It's like right on the Red Sea. That last corner kind of goes around a big sort of lagoon and 
it's it's gonna look cool. It's gonna be like a, I think it's like a dusk start time as well. So like um, Abu Dhabi, it'll sort of run into the darkness, which is quite mm. cool. Mm. Yeah, heck of a circuit though. I'm, I'm just give yeah. me a sec. I want to know what the speed see. is into the final corner. I've got it here in front of me. Just give me <laughs> one second. So um, the the uh, the breaking point into the final corner. I, it is quite wide, I suppose. But when you consider the breaking point, they're doing 322 kilometers an hour. <laughs> yeah, I just wish it was a bit more of a stop and a bit tighter yeah. corner. It's a, it's about a 60 mile an hour corner, roughly. Okay, that's a bit slower than I thought actually. Because the the first sort of hairpin at the on the sort of left hand side as we look at this map, that's it almost looks like a big banked corner, doesn't it? Like it's a proper long single line through there. I don't think that's gonna be much of an overtaking spot, but yeah, turn one's never been there's no one overtaking there. Maybe in the at the start of the race, you might get a few sort of going around the outside and getting a jump on into turn two, yeah. but. I can see there being some really clattery sort of starts actually through that first chicane. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like the Monza um, first corner. It kind of like is, the isn't it? reverse of the Monza first corner. That's but then you be... get through, through to turn four is just like, you know, you're doing 120 kilometers an hour through um, turn four into turn five, which is a pretty fast corner. That for, turn for what is going to be so is. messy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Really interesting from a setup I mean, point I mean, of view as well. I think. I think it's going to be a good track. I mean, it's, I'm very excited for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested to see the cars like actually going around it, hundred percent. Especially if it is going to be as fast as it seems. And they've they're in a good position as well because they've said all along that this street circuit is going to be for the first few years until they build the big purpose built circuit um, out in the desert somewhere, but. They have a couple of races here and it's good, then they'll they might just go, Do you know what? We'll save a few million quid and not bother building the purpose built one and just keep doing this <laughs> yeah. one. Which is Yeah, I think it makes sense. I don't see the point in building circuits like in the middle of nowhere, away from everyone, like outside of the cities and that people have got to travel for miles and miles to get to. Like Especially the, the... in a country like this that's not a traditional you know, like motorsport is getting bigger in that part of the world, but it's not like a yeah. traditional place. So yeah, you do need to well, take the Formula E approach of take the race into the people, like put yeah, it on their doorstep so they can't not see it happening, kind of thing. That's exactly my point. Like with with that, you can you know when it's when it's in your city, you can you can go down to where the race is on. We, you can get it. You might decide to get a ticket on the day. Let's talk about another new circuit. <laughs> We're flush with new circuits uh, this week. This is a new circuit being built in Hungary, a new FIA grade one circuit called, I'm going to butcher this, the Magyar Nemzetközi Motodrome. Please tell me if I've got that horribly wrong if you're Hungarian out there. Uh, I'll just point out, given my official Formula One hat from the last time we went to a Hungarian <laughs> Grand Prix, it's probably spelled wrong anyway. <laughs> Not that you're bitter in the slightest. It's, it's not even that. It's that. So, so just just for context, I bought a hat at the Hungarian Grand Prix a couple of years ago. It's spelt wrong on the front and on the back, and neither of the two places are spelt the same. <laughs> and it's the official F1 hat for the race. <laughs> it's not just this wrong. It's that it's inconsistently wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's inconsistently wrong. And the best bit was, I was showing a Hungarian friend, like, "Look, I'm so proud. I've got a Hungarian-based hat." And she was like, "Yeah, it's spelt wrong, pal." <laughs> it's like what? It's consistently inconsistent. Yeah. 
But anyway. <laughs> anyway, yes, this new circuit's being constructed near uh, Debrecen, which is Hungary's second biggest city. Uh, it's going to be used for MotoGP from 2023. This circuit is only a mere five kilometers long and only 15 corners. Why even bother? We only haven't got 15 corners. We want 27. <laughs> um, they've said it's going to have multiple elevation changes. The designers have said they've drawn inspiration from Suzuka. I don't know about you guys, but looking at this map they've released, I'm getting Red Bull ring and actually Hungara ring vibes looking at that. Yeah, it's got some similar like elements to both, like with both those circuits, hasn't it? It looks a lot better than it does in the video that you sent. Mm. yeah in the um <laughs> how did you describe it the uh the, the nintendo called they want their super fx chip back <laughs> which none of our audience are going to understand that reference no yeah, that's, that's aging us slightly isn't it yeah big time but if you do get if you do get that reference please let us know <laughs> because i'm really proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> um it's quite a cool looking circuit um they've said they're going to build it to fii grade one um status from day one so all the facilities will be grade one which would make it eligible for f1 although the hungara ring does have a contract until 2027 so we're not going to see anytime soon but it is it is cool it's it's difficult isn't it like f1 and motor gp need very different things from a circuit and when you're trying to build a circuit that can do both you end up having to make compromises one way or the other so i don't know that looking at this it, i can see how it would work for both Hmm. I think it looks good. I think the, the onboard lap looked good. It yeah, looks, yeah. It was very compelling to watch, even though it did look like hot garbage. Um, <laughs> the I, I like that it's got a lot of banked corners. Yeah. It's sort of taking yeah. a bit of inspiration from um, Zamfort there. Um, yeah, you, nice you can there. see the sort of Suzuka inspiration there, can you, with the S's? Yeah, yeah there's, there's a nice elevation drop as well, rather than it. a lot of the time it can be a climb, but... There's there's a bit quite early on in the lap where it sort of it almost drops away as you go over a crest. Mm. So they be interesting to, Yeah. The, the other cool thing they've done is they've done like um banking all the way around the circuit. So it's like an amphitheater, a bit similar to it, what um what the Hungaro ring has. Yeah, do you know what when, bowl, isn't it? When I first looked at the the sort of top down it's not a map, is it? Like the CGI representation of it. I genuinely thought it was a plan to rebuild Me too. the Hungara ring because you can kind of see where um, what is going to be the start-finish straight of this new design. You can see how that is like the back straight where they sort of do the two little infield mm -hmm. um, hairpins at the end of the lap and where like you sort of walk down the, that back of the circuit to go around the other side. Yeah. And I, I genuinely thought, and I was a little bit, bit upset like thinking oh no we're gonna lose the traditional hungara ring mm. but i do like that it's a separate circuit knowing that now and it'd be nice if you could like maybe alternate these like what we used to do with the german grand prix because uh, i mean i wouldn't i don't think i'd ever want to lose the hungara ring but that just might be me being a bit um like nostalgic or whatever but yeah it's it is kind of one of my more favorite tracks it's there, never the so. greatest race there but i there is something about it that i really like yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that though. Like at first glance, I also thought that's modifications to the Hungara Ring, and I was looking at the picture, yeah. thinking, "Well, I've been there, and I'm pretty sure that's a housing estate over there. So this is going to yeah. be some pretty <laughs> yeah. significant um, works going on." But no, it's not. Um, and then a last bit of news. 
uh, McLaren have signed 13-year-old American Carter Hugo Yugochukwu on a long-term deal. He was previously a member of the Sauber karting team, but he's now signed up to McLaren and he's being managed by the same team that's uh, managed Lando Norris when McLaren signed him up when he was a teenager as well. Uh, much like Lando Norris, he won the FYI Junior Karting Championship last year and he's moving up to senior karts this season. But uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, McLaren have a pretty good history of signing up kids when they're karting and them going on to do good mm-hmm. things. So very much worth keeping an eye on him. Nice. Yeah, yeah not a lot. To, I've not really caught up on that one. but um, Yeah, it's it's fairly, fairly breaking news, I think. Um, but it's yeah, it was early, I think it was earlier today. But it's also one of those things that as much as I try and follow many levels of motorsport, I don't really get down to karting yeah. at this stage in my life yet. Yeah, I mean, so. F1 has been crying out for an American driver for some time. So, I mean, yeah. he's probably a good five, six, seven years away. But I mean, it's not like we've had... It's not like we've not come close. Um, Scott, no speed. He was a... Uh, I mean, sorry, Scott speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I mean, it was. I'm trying to think who it was that went to IndyCar that was in GP2 for a while before it changed. Um, um, and it's going to bug the heck out of me now. Uh, Alex uh, Rossi did a couple of races. Rossi, yeah. Oh yeah. Did, did, I'm trying to think. Um, Rossi got in the Caterham, did he? Marussia, I think it was. Marussia. Well, it might have been Virgin at the time. I can't remember which. Yeah. But um, wow. it was a shame that he never got any more. Yeah, time I think he'd have been great, but it just. Started well, I mean, he's, for him. And he's been amazing in IndyCar, really, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Like, he's, had, he's, he's had a really good time since he moved over there. So Yeah, massive. I think he won his first Indy 500, didn't he? I, think I, I don't know if it was his first one. It was like must be like five years ago now, though, when, yeah, around the time he first went over there. So. Well, if we're talking about Marussia, it must have been a good few years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it for news yeah. this week. Yeah, quite cool. Weak. On that note, then, I'm going to be the laziest host in the world, and I'm going to hand over to Stu... For some storylines, because we have a race this week, which means yes. there are storylines to be had. Um, okay, storylines. So this week, first storyline, um, can Mercedes bounce back from what was just not good enough in testing, was it? Let's face it. Um, no. Very excited to see, obviously, what they're going to, if if they're going to pull it back. I think they could. I think they're the kind of team that are the probably one of the only teams on the grid that are capable of bouncing back from such a torrid time in testing and um, what do you two think i i retain the stance of until they actually do badly in qualifying i'm not even going to believe they really have serious <laughs> problems <laughs> yeah yeah they, they put a lego gearbox in it just to, uh... <laughs> just to fool everyone yeah um but I mean, in all seriousness i think even if the problems they had are real, I still think at worst they're going to be second best to Red Bull. I don't think it's like they're going to turn up and get both get knocked out in Q2. Hmm. No, I don't think it'd be that bad, but I think that unless you see signs of improvement quickly, they might not be as dominant this year as they have in the last few. Which can only be a good thing. I mean, for us as spectators, yeah. Unless, unless you're an absolute diehard Mercedes or Lewis or Valtteri fan, then yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, but I think even if you're a diehard fan, you don't want to see him walk it, do you? You want to see him fight for it. No, am I am mm, I on my own there? I, or? Mm, I, I suppose it, it depends. Like maybe not every single year, but 
I wouldn't say I'd like not enjoy McLaren absolutely dominating a season. So as like, a McLaren fan, I w- I'd definitely enjoy that. But yes, I understand that like you'd get kind of get a bit bored because you've almost got like everyone says, oh, there's no, there's no point in watching it like past third, uh, unless you're watching past third because the podium's decided. You've still got that element, even if you are supporting the team that's at the front, you kind of, in inadvertent quotes, know the result for that car, don't you? So you're kind of just watching down the grid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, in a, in a related way then, what of uh, Hamilton's, because obviously we've all been quite happy to, and very lucky to have um, our guy, Lewis Hamilton, win so many championships. Of the ones he's won, which one was your favourite? I know which one, man. Which one of mine was straight away, but I'm going to ask you two. <laughs> um, I want to know everyone with this one. <laughs> I mean, probably his first one. Oh, that's all yeah. right. Then it was, I'm not going to annoy everyone. Then it was that one for <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, it was, it's the same for yeah. me. And I don't think necessarily it was because it was his first. I think it was because it was so hard fought and we didn't know for sure that he was going to win it until mm. he did win it, until it was his. Mm. Whereas all the other ones have kind of been sure things. So, or not necessarily sure things at the start of the season, but he's won them sort of most of them with races to spare, if not all of them with races to spare. I think there was one or two with Rosberg that went down to the last race. Yeah. yeah. There was one where there was that year where Alonso was in with a shout and I think even Seb was still in with a shout. Yeah. I think. Towards the end of the season. But yeah, like generally speaking, it's been done with races to spare, hasn't yeah. it? So I don't for me, like as a as a fan I want to see it go down to that last race yeah. and I want uncertainty and I, you know, it, it's worth so much more to me that, that seeing, seeing the sort of the, the person I'm a fan of or the team I'm a fan of win that championship. If they win it, if they're given a run for their money, it's just so much more exciting. Yeah, totally. Whereas like the ones where, you know, these last few years when Mercedes just wiped the floor of everyone and, um, and Hamilton's been sort of champion long before the end of the season, then that's, you know, the one year he won it in Mexico, like four races left mm. or something like that. Yeah. And that just takes all the life out of the season, for me, out of the remainder of the season for me. And it just feels like a walk in the park. And it's that's not what you want to see. So, I mean, there, there are can... certainly circles of F1 fandom um, who are perfectly happy to watch that and for whom... Yeah, uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, and to be fair, the same circles exist for every other team and every other driver. Who you know, they can do no wrong, and they're at their happiest when they're cantering away to a win. And you know, we're not about to sit here and tell you how to watch Formula One, but no, no, it's not, not that. That's not for me. That's not why I watch the sport. Yeah, same here. Um, so yeah, that's Mercedes. I think it wouldn't be a bad. Th- my point here is, it wouldn't be a bad thing if Mercedes necessarily didn't. So it didn't necessarily bounce back straight away. It yeah, might be nice yeah. to see them sort of languish a bit further down the field for the first sort of two or three races. Because remember, we've got a hell of a lot of races this season as well. So if there's any time that they're going to win it, they might be given a bit more of a run for the money this year, but they've got a lot more time to um, you know, regain those points. And... The, you know, if anyone's going to do it, it's them. They've got more capability than any other team of doing it, so they probably will get it back. But I just want to see a, a fight. That's what yeah. I'm saying. When, when you think of like realistic ways this season to go, I think the one that excites me the most is that they really stumble out of the blocks. Red Bull. 
build a decent lead and then Mercedes are spending the rest of the season catching up yeah. and trying to close that gap. When I mean, yeah. I feel like they will end the season as the fastest car, even if they don't start it that way. But it's just like about how quickly they can do that and close the gap. And that is like a story throughout the whole season really excites me. Yeah. Yeah, that that could be like a repeat of 2009 when it was the other way, whereas yeah, where Red Bull were chasing what would become Mercedes team, mm. but then they were chasing Braun and Button won his world championship. That was a hectic season. Every qualifying of that season was almost... I, I got as much watching qualifying that season as I got out of watching the races. Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely brilliant season. So if we can get another one like that, and fingers crossed we will because it's the end of a regulation run, then yeah. All will be well in the world of Formula One. But anyway, let's move on to the next storyline. Um, will the Aston hold station from last year? I kind of like, I threw this in because I, they're not, obviously, they're not a new team. They're just Racing Point rebadged as Aston. But, <laughs> <laughs> and there's an obvious Alan Partridge reference there that I won't make. That we have um, made on many occasions. Yeah. But I want to, because they were really hard to get a feel for, I thought, during testing from what I've now read and from what I've sort of seen from what little I saw. So for me, Aston are kind of like the team that I've got the, I feel like I've got the least knowledge about how they're going to do going into this season. Mm, I'm very curious to see whether they're going to sort of find their way you know are they going to stay in that sort of third fourth place sort of region or are they going to have dropped off to be honest they probably don't know themselves after the way testing went for them i genuinely don't think they will have the greatest idea where they see in the pecking order because they just weren't able to complete the test runs they needed to to really understand the car by the looks of it Mm. um yeah i'm excited to find out but I think they're going to be pretty slow out of the blocks. I think they've got a fair bit of catching up to do. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so the next one, unless Tom, do you want? No, I think Chris has sort of Chris covered nailed, it. Yeah, Chris has nailed the point that I was going to make <laughs> myself. So that's cool. Okay, so um, Ferrari, um, big big question mark over Ferrari. I think this season as well. They look like roughly third ish. They look like they've closed a bit of the gap, but have how much of that gap have they closed? Um, I want to see Ferrari in the mix as you know, everyone knows who listens to this podcast. I'm not a huge Ferrari fan, but (laughs) I do the money that goes into that team and the, Uh the heritage that that team has, even as someone who's not a huge fan of that team, I, I don't want, I don't really want to see them struggling the way I saw them last season. So I would, I really want them to be up there in the mix they reckon they've got a better engine this year. Um, do we think they've do? Do we think they've done enough to get up into that sort of top three? I think it really depends on how well Mercedes recover from whatever was going on in testing. Like we talked about it a little bit post testing, the fact that it appeared that Renault hadn't necessarily made any or uh, like significant gains forward. Um, but Ferrari had closed the gap to at least them. Uh, so it'd be interesting to then see where they are in relation to the Honda and the Mercedes engines, provided the Mercedes engines are 
Um, because I, th- I think I think the thing is I think Honda and Ferrari as, as engines have both taken a step forward, and Mercedes and Renault have kind of just stayed where they were. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting to see how it all evens out once we come to like actual full pace, full running in a yeah, qualifying session. Anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I was thinking um, the other day? Actually, looking at stuff online, there's a mm. lot of a lot of things been knocking around in the past couple of weeks of Ferrari customer teams and the drivers of Ferrari customer teams saying how much they think the engine has improved. I don't remember after testing last season, or actually throughout most of last season, the customer team saying much about the engine at all. <laughs> they just all seem to kind of stay dumb about it. So yeah, the fact that they're gags. saying... Well, that's, this is the thing, and the fact that they're pro- like saying anything at all right now is probably a good sign. Here's an interesting thing. I watched. Um, I've started watching Drive to Survive. I skipped the second season. I've gone straight into the third season. <laughs> the second season. I just worked too many races that year, and it wasn't worth me watching. But um, you'll you'll not know all the storylines that flow on from season two to season three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was interesting that when they were talking about the Ferrari engine, and I, I don't, I'm not sure which episode is three or four, um, and. It was interesting how the Ferrari engine team Haas, Gunter was very sort of coy about um, you know, what he was gonna do about his engine situation. He was saying very much that um, you know, Ferrari helped them out a lot in the beginning mm-hmm. and it's their job to sort of stick stick with them and help them out now they're struggling. So I think to me some of that smacks of I'm not gonna give you any information about the thing because i'm here i'm helping my friends yeah and another another thing that episode was vettel being super i don't know if you remember this but vettel was really kind of once he'd announced that he was leaving that team he got really kind of almost mouthy like in in a really (laughs) sly way he got super sly about like Mm. um having an advantage not having an advantage wanting to do things in a fair way this kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is obviously a very obvious allusion to the the engine not being um, not being within the regulations. So <laughs> I, I've forgotten where I was going with this, but <laughs> I guess like the the point here is like if they've managed to sort of recover some of that power lost in the engine, hopefully by legal means, <laughs> then. Is that going to have been enough to have got them back up to, you know, up, up, up to racing speed, up to up to competitive speed? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's no way they're going to try something too shady. I'm not going to say shady. You just well, said it. I'm, no, I'm not going to say they definitely won't at all because all F1 teams try and do something a little bit beyond the rules as best they can, but... Yeah, they're not. This they're not going to. The put, name of the game is. Yeah, it? it's but, part of the it's part of the sport. The shadiness. But they're not going to push the boundaries too far with that stuff again. Mm. So, I mean, the FIA are looking well, at that stuff closer than ever as a result, aren't they? These days. So. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, any more to add to Ferrari's situation? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, I I just agree with you more than anything that like F F one needs them back at the front. They needs at least one more team at the front fighting for wins. And if anyone's going to do it, it should be them. So 
Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving on to another very wealthy team, Red Bull. Um, <laughs> huge advantage uh, at the end of testing, it looked like. They were by far and away the quickest team. Um, they looked really, really solid for the entire test. The set, Helmut Marko is on record as saying it's the best pre-season testing that they've ever had as a team. Um, must be a lot of uh, very excited um, drivers and engineers at the in, in the Red Bull garage. Um, can they keep it up? Can they, you know, come out of the blocks swinging and, you know, get some race wins under the belt early doors? Well, I mean, they've been playing down their advantage a lot. And historically, we know that whenever a F1 team looks like they're fast and then try and play that down, it usually means they are fast. Like Mercedes yeah. have made an art of saying, oh, we're a bit concerned about Red Bull. They look very quick and then putting it on pole by a second and a half. So, yeah, I, I do think they're probably, I mean, we're getting into predictions territory here and it's going to be a very tricky one this <laughs> week, but they're, they're up there. They're, they, they're definitely going to be up there, I think. Who do you reckon will be quicker out of Verstappen and um, Perez after three races? I mean, I'd expect it to be Max because Max has got the advantage of being in that team as long as he has and practically having the car built for him. So you would expect it to be Max. I'm not saying it will necessarily be, but that is what you would expect as the outcome. Yeah, I I mean, I'll say probably a little controversially, um, as someone who is quite openly not a Red Bull fan, it would give me much joy to watch Perez turn up and start beating Verstappen on a week-to-week basis. I would find that highly entertaining. I said the exact same thing about Sainz and Leclerc. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I guess that that kind of covers us off for Red Bull, I think. like There's not much more to say other than they were were looking pretty feisty um, in testing. So I'm I'm super excited to see what they've brought to the table. Hopefully they'll... um, Hopefully they'll they'll finally brought the fight to Mercedes. They were more or less as fast as Mercedes towards the end of last season. And they're a very, they've probably got the best aero department on the entire grid. So if anyone's going to recover the downforce that they've um, lost over the space of, over the space of the winter through the regulation changes, then it's going to be Red Bull. And, you know, mm. it could be, I, I think James Vowles or one of the, one of the Mercedes engineers, Said that this regulation change has knocked a year and a half's worth of downforce off um, off of the off of the form, off of the Formula One cars. I'm assuming he's speaking for his own car. So I See, don't think Red Bull have lost that much. Well, he says that Pirelli have said that they think they've already found it all and then some. So yeah, yeah, they, they usually do, don't they? To yeah, be fair, they always. It's do. all sort of smoke and mirrors, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, next one is Ricardo moving on to a driver. Finally, um, will Ricardo be vindicated in his move to McLaren? So we need for this to happen. We need, um, I guess, we need McLaren to be beating Alpine. Um, it was pretty close towards the end of last season between what were Renault back then and McLaren and Racing Point and McLaren. So McLaren have now got the Mercedes engine in it. Um, it's a very very good car aerodynamically again. Good chassis as well. Could the engine be enough to give them a step forward or have the other team's engines made such a step forward as well that it's negated all of this advantage of having the Mercedes engine? I mean, if we're just talking those two teams, um, 
my money's definitely on McLaren over Alpine in that battle. Um, they look great. Like it's been confirmed that their diffuser solution is definitely legal. Um, so, I mean, you talk about Red Bull being the ones to get aerodynamic advantage, but Mercedes, um, McLaren seem to have done an amazing job with getting yeah. all that aero loss back. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think we'll see Racing Point bringing up any sort of protests to their diffuser at any point um, I, as part of I revenge think for what went down last season? Nah, I think that it's already been through enough that they'd just get thrown out if they did. Yeah, the, the talk from testing, you know, like last year in testing, it was all very much like, what are they up to? That won't do. Whereas the talk about um, McLaren this year seemed to resoundingly be, oh, that's good. Good on them. Well done. Like, yeah. Wish we'd come yeah. up with that. Like there didn't seem much ill will against it. I, I think that the thing that's maybe misled a few people is that it's been referred to a couple of times as a loophole. And I wouldn't say it's like I was saying last week. I don't think it is a loophole. I think it's just that they've taken certain measurements that they're allowed to uh, like max out and max them out to get most mm. potential out of it. That's my understanding of it yeah. is that it's not any kind of loophole. It's just that they've made other parts of the car uh, larger within the dimensions that they're allowed to stay within in order to get um, a lower hanging diffuser. Like they, they seem very genuinely surprised that no one else had come up with it. Yeah. yeah. Cut to yeah. Uh, end of qualifying on Saturday yeah, and, and every team on the grid <laughs> yeah. has lodged a protest against McLaren's yeah, McLaren are thrown out <laughs> um, yeah but Ricard I guess Ricardo is I want to bring the focus sort of onto Ricardo a little bit because he's he's moved around a little bit over the last few years um it'd be I really want to see him now settle at this team and hopefully yeah. you know I would love for this car to be really really good for him I'd love for him to be fighting regularly for podiums and for um, and even for race wins, and I think he could be fighting for race wins actually in this McLaren. Yeah, I think given the right circumstances, yeah. definitely. And I, I, just... I even think McLaren, if if we're having like a top four, then I think McLaren could be in that top four if we're sort of yeah. looking for like a battle of top four teams. Then that this could be it. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. Definitely, think we're going to see him on the podium this year. <clears throat> My my only concern would be that he's becoming the new Alonso, and that everywhere he goes, is <laughs> he becomes tainted in some way. And he, but then again, I mean, Renault did actually make progress while he was there, so it's yeah, not a com- it, it, it wasn't progress. it wasn't like they went backwards or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, he got them podiums, so plural. Hmm. Right, my final one this week is driver related again. Um, what rivalries do you think we're going to see emerge from the first race weekend? It will be Alonso and whoever it is that gets in Alonso's way. It's <laughs> <laughs> about great. right. That that is pretty much how it goes. Yep. Um, Alonso and the engine. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so driver, um, so driver uh, tangible driver rivalries. I think Science and Leclerc could be a potential one to look out for. Yeah. That I mean, that's just a bit of a powder keg, isn't it? And it's it's a weird one for me that like science science is not going there just to play second fiddle without a doubt. But I also think that having seen him over the years and how he's handled 
tough teammates and, and and stuff he he is very much like quite cool quite collected and just lets his results do the talking so i if i think if anything's going to go on there it's that science is going to be putting leclerc under pressure with good results and it's maybe leclerc that's going to instigate something not going well i think i mean Sos Leclerc fans, but I think he's the one that will like blow his fuse first out of the two of them. It definitely feels like that's going to explode sooner or later in the season. I think. Yeah, well, to me, I, f- I think it's crazy that Ferrari have taken him. I think obviously Vettel wasn't happy there, which is why things ended up the way they did. I, you know, I don't think either party wanted to carry on with what was going on. Um, who else could they have had for that drive other than science though is the question like i mean when it's a ferrari seat the answer is usually pretty much anyone isn't it like there's not many drivers that are going to say no to a go in the red car like mm. yeah. however good it is for your career there's just something about it that attracts most racing drivers um I mean, there was, there was a point a few years ago where there was a lot of talk about Ricardo possibly going there. Um, mm. I mean, Hulkenberg flirted with a contract there, didn't he, yeah. as well, at one point? Yeah, Hulkenberg would have been a great fit for Ferrari in that seat, I think. I think he's mm. he's a more suitable driver for that position than what um, than what Science is, just because he won't rock the boat like Science will. Yeah. No, it's funny, isn't it? Like, a lot of Hulkenberg's demeanour, and, you know, people call him the Hulk. Like, I guess that's part of it, but like (laughs) it makes him sound like he's going to be like this feisty driver. And he has been that in the past, but I agree with you these days. I think he would just get his head down and get on with it. I mean, it's what he did in the couple of races he came back to do as the sort of replacement driver. Yeah, Um, I think Nico Hulkenberg would be very happy to be number two driver of formula um, at at Ferrari mm, to to Charles Leclerc. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He, He loves driving formula one cars. Obviously, he wants to win races, and I'm sure he's the kind of driver that will be there to win races when they're there for him to win. I guess. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know yeah. what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, it, when the other driver is is on a bad day, then he's good enough to sort of pick up the slack and and get it done. Um, he would be kind of what Kimi Raikkonen was to Sebastian Vettel for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd yeah, fit that probably. role well. Yeah. Could, but maybe Ferrari that. are like, well, we did we tried that and it didn't work. We tried that and we did we haven't won a constructors title in years and years and years. I so, mean it's, it's because of the thing we've talked about for the last five years of and and pre podcast is the fact that they've only ever focused one driver in terms of strategy and stuff like that. Like mm. how many times when Kimmy was there did we talk about the fact that as soon as something goes wrong for Seb They've already compromised Kimmy to the yeah. point that it's pointless him even being there because he's not going to pick anything up anyway. Like it's not a Mercedes situation where, yes, fair enough, the car has been more dominant, but the Mercedes situation is they're always trying to prioritize the best like one-two result essentially and get that one-two result. Sometimes, regardless of whichever way around the drivers are, that they're trying to achieve a result where the cars are both finishing as high as possible. Whereas Ferrari have had this really bad habit of just putting all their eggs in one basket of mm-hmm. let's get Sebastian to win this race with the win is all that matters to us forgetting that there's like another 20 points on the table or 18 or whatever it is for second 
can't believe I brain farted on that. But yeah. <laughs> no, you you nailed it. <laughs> other than that, other than that little one little statistic, you absolutely nailed that whole thing. Like you're absolutely right. They have eggs in one basket is the yeah. perfect way of it really putting is. it. Um, yeah, it's it'd be a shame if they did that. If if that if they carry on doing that when they've got two such amazing yeah. drivers in their team, if if that transpires to continue to happen again this year, I'd be really, really disappointed. I don't want to see Carlos Sainz just just dropped off into this kind of abyss of Ferrari number two, which is where um, where uh, Rick, uh, where Raikkonen was for so, so long of his career. Yeah, he, you know, he did the job, he kept his head down and he got on with it. But I, I know of a few people who are mad Kimi Raikkonen fans who have, probably had a, a really tough who probably who would have had a really tough time when he was at Ferrari. So let's the hope is it's, the same fate doesn't befall Carlos Sainz. And it's like it's fair enough saying like, you know, that's the job he was there to do whatever. And even if that's true, where did it get them? What did what did they actually that's achieve yeah. in that time? Yeah. Lots of they came yeah. second and third in the championships a few times and that's not what Ferrari are there to do. So yeah. at some point you have to try something different. Yeah, they need another strategy 100%. laptop. That's what they need. They've only got one. They need to get another one <laughs> so they can put two, two strategies at the same time. The two sides of the garage fighting over a single laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, quickly <laughs> mentioning Hulkenberg, um, there was sort of stories um, knocking around a little while ago that he was being lined up to be one of Mercedes' reserve drivers because yeah. Mercedes... So last season, it was Van Dorn and Gutierrez were down as their reserve drivers. Um, Gutierrez doesn't seem to be part of their um, system anymore. And they've announced that they're two Formula E drivers. So Van Dorn and Nick de Vries are their two reserve drivers. But because they're Formula E drivers, they're immediately both unavailable for at least three Grand Prix this season. So (laughs) given that um, Mercedes also share their reserve drivers with McLaren, they obviously need someone else. And although nothing official was ever announced, it looks like they might have like a pre-agreement in place with Hulkenberg so that if either team ever needs another driver, he'll be back yet again. Actual <laughs> super sub, Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, actually he is, isn't he? Can we think of any other rivalries um, other than Science Leclerc? Maybe maybe Perez Verstappen? Yeah, be I, I, I hope that it is one. I hope that it is a good rivalry. Because... I want to see Max like really pushed to his best by a teammate. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying I want to see him beaten or I expect him to be beaten, but I think that as much as we always say he gets the best out of the car, he's not had a teammate alongside him yet that's managed to consistently do that other than Ricardo. Um, and that was the last time like Max was put under pressure from his teammate, in my yeah. opinion. So it would be nice to see him in that position again and see if he does keep picking up the wins that he always picks up because at the moment he's just kind of he's kind of on his he's been on his own for the last couple of years in that little no man's land of just max between the mercedes (laughs) and everybody else yeah whereas hopefully with perez there'll at least be perez alongside him um if not some of the others if they've managed to make some some gains like what red bull have so i i I expect it to at least have some rivalry even if it's not like fireworks and drama I mean, I honestly, I think the first time Perez is in front of him and doesn't let him by, <laughs> that's going to be when that kicks off a little bit, or you know, yeah. or if Perez just starts beating him. I mean, yeah, I've said it already. Like, 
it's not uh, okay to be fair i did say i did start by saying oh, i'm not a red bull fan but it's not just a slight <laughs> on red bull like i just love it in general when it feels like there's one favorite driver in a team and then someone else turns up and just like goes nah, no no you're not i mean i don't and, know about uh, anybody else but uh, you know you were saying before like i'm not really a red bull fan so this would be funny to me like I don't know if I'm unique in this or if there are a lot of people like this, but there isn't actually like, like there isn't a team that I don't, I want, I want to see like do badly. If that makes sense. Like I want to see just every team doing well, unless it's like the the only time it's like decisive is if it's like them or McLaren, if it's someone versus McLaren, I want McLaren (laughs) to beat them because that, that is my team since, since I can remember that's the first team I ever remember. Like, cheering for as a little kid and stuff so yes i've got my loyalties to mclaren but other than that i want to see everyone doing well i want to see red bull pushing merc i want to see ferrari back challenging for podiums and wins every week i want to see alpine sort the renault engine out and yeah and do the same thing do you know what i mean like i i I wouldn't wish anything bad on any of the teams i don't think unlike chris (laughs) (laughs) but i I mean i'm interested (laughs) no i'm interested to know like how unique of a standpoint that is is that like I mean, you guys know me in the sense that I've got like a hat that represents pretty much every driver on the grid in different teams and <laughs> different shirts for different teams. Like, I'm just, I'm just a fan of the sport. Tom's I guess. just here for the merch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just here for the merch. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. F1, nope. NFL, gaming. Just, just give me the merch, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like, I, there's teams of drivers that you may prefer or or not, but ultimately, you want, you don't want anyone to be bad like a team being bad adds absolutely nothing to the show like you want everyone up there being able to compete that's what makes it exciting yeah yeah i'm with you there i kind of like i guess like a lot of people who listen to this might be writing in the comments right now shut up stew you hate on ferrari constantly (laughs) and they're not wrong (laughs) it's not cool and they're not wrong but (laughs) for all the hating on my do do for me it's kind of like it's just a money thing. Like they, they, they should the amount of money that gets pumped into that team, they should be doing so much better, and that's what makes me yeah. mad about them. I guess. Yeah, you know? like it's, they, they should be better. Why aren't they I'm, better? Be better. I mean, I can agree with you on that extent, though, in the sense that the reason that I would give Ferrari a hard time is because it's like that they should be doing better and you yeah. want to see you want to see them doing better. Me, it's, it's not I, it's not hating it's, on them. It's that. Why are they not doing better with this scenario that they're in? Exactly the same as we gave like McLaren a hard time when they were struggling with the Honda engine, yeah, totally. and like the they were trying reasons. to blame it on Honda, and we would we were saying equally like, but at what point do you say is this actually the McLaren because it's gone in the Red Bull and worked absolutely fine? Mm-hmm. Like you know, we were critical of the team that I would say all three of us have a really big soft soft yeah, spot for because they weren't doing as well as they should be doing considering the financial status and the racing heritage same as williams like we're critical of williams even though we've got a soft spot for them we're not mad we're just disappointed yeah yeah we're like parents we're like parents but that's what (laughs) it is i think i think occasionally it does verge on madness but um, (laughs) maybe a different kind but i think like the the for me ferrari's job in formula one is to at least be challenging for the title that's the bare minimum for ferrari and they just haven't lived up to that expectation for years now. Yeah. And that's 
for me that's the that's my problem with ferrari and the and I, part of it is like a way sometimes they the, the way they conduct themselves around that they never really face up to it it's still that attitude ferrari's the best ferrari's the best ferrari's the best and it's like well clearly it's not <laughs> is it so hmm. yeah that's i think that's that's my if, if you no one asked but that's my problem <laughs> with ferrari it's like <laughs> no it's like i've I've never been a Ferrari fan, and I think that's a product of the era I like grew up watching F1. Like one of my early F1 memories is like Damon Hill winning the championship, and Ferrari were like the bad guys that would potentially stop Damon Hill being world champion. So like <laughs> that's always been the case. But I want I, right now I want to dislike Ferrari because they're beating drivers I'd rather see win rather than dislike Ferrari just because they're <laughs> not doing anything. Yeah, you've hit, again, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. That is exactly it to a t yeah and, and, and i think oh go on and and that's how i feel about red bull right now like I, i'm not a red bull fan but it's like almost like a pantomime dislike them because they <laughs> if they like get in the way of someone i'd rather see win kind of thing yeah but then but then that's that's what the whole sport is all exactly, about yeah. isn't it is that that's why we love the sport is because it's got that pantomime to it at times and because it's sort of you heroes know, and villains yeah any sport it's, it's yeah. there's always heroes and villains, aren't there? And this is no different. And yeah, I think I think that's a good place to end storylines. Actually, yeah, we've sort of yeah, we've kind of like segued into something completely different. We've accumulated a lot of knowledge. The question is, how much will it help yeah. you in predictions? Oh, actually, last one. Sorry, oh, last one. Go on. Um, just while we're on rivalries, I think one that's maybe flying under the radar a little bit could be Sonoda and Gasly. I think yes. there's, there's potential there for a real little ding dong between those two for the season. Mm. They're both Once quite Sonoda gets up to speed. Both quite chilled personalities, though. They are. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how it does play out if they if they go into to toe every week. Yeah, I yeah. think I think once they've sort of banged wheels a few times, mm. they'll be a bit less chilled personalities. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll see about that. Maybe just one to sort of keep an eye on in the background. Um, yeah, and that's it for storylines. Let's move on to predictions. Just yes, do quickly. I know we just constantly interrupting <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. Um, I will get the predictions eventually. <laughs> I promise this last thing. Speaking of Pierre Gasly, an article went live earlier today written by him called You Want to Know the Real Pierre. I tweeted a link to it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you anything about it, but just give yourself 10 minutes to go and read it. Probably be just sat quietly on your own somewhere because... I teared up a little bit reading it. It is a yeah, it's it's a heck of a thing that he's written, um, talking about his last few years in the sport and in life. And yeah, go read it. It's phenomenal. Okay. That's interesting. I will read that. And now I'll stop and let you carry on, Tom. So predictions. Oh actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time we get to do this this season, off what little information we have from testing. Um, so let's see how this goes. For those who are newer to the show this season um, or maybe weren't around as much last season, basically what we do is we predict the fastest qualifier from Saturday, the winner of the race, the first person to DNF, um, the number of finishers in a race, and then we select a driver from the grid at random and try and predict their finishing position. And you are all capable of joining in with this as well at backofthegrid.com where you can head. If you've played before, your accounts from the previous season still work. Just log in with your old accounts and get predicting. If you're new, just hit the register button and create yourself an account, and then you can join in as well. We always have prizes for 
uh, anyone that manages to get five out of five in a week, uh, if anyone does manage a perfect week, and then there's prizes at the end of the year for the the best overall. So it's always worth getting involved at any stage, even if for some reason you don't get a chance to do every single race. But we will guide you terribly into things not to pick <laughs> by doing it ourselves a week in advance first, like we do right now. So <laughs> for the first prediction of the whole year... Chris, I want to know who you think will be past this thing, Q3. The honourable thing, Tom, would have been to make the first prediction yourself. uh, Oh, it (laughs) would. When have we ever done things with honour? It would, but you (laughs) Honour and back of the grid podcast do not go hand in hand. This is a competitive sport between the three of us now, and Chris interrupted me for the second time (laughs) after you'd already interrupted me once. So Chris got a a set with it. (laughs) Is, I don't know, a valid answer, because I... (laughs) <laughs> it's a difficult one isn't it these are going to be so wild the thi- like, you've got to look at the data that you have in front of you right now I think is the only way to do, do it you do my concern is we're going to talk about all of this and we're going to you know pick apart all the testing and stuff and make our predictions and then Mercedes just turn up and go fastest by like yeah. a second and Egg normal service is resumed yeah I I I think I have to say Verstappen. The, the sensible answer is Verstappen. Okay. It is. I think it's the sensible answer. I see Anonymous is Shrew it, is writing in the... Uh... <laughs> is it uh, sensible enough that you will also choose it, those two? That's the big question. You feel it's a sensible answer, but is it so sensible that you will also take it? I think this stage of the season... I'm going to start as I think I am going to be sensible and say Verstappen. Okay. Yes, I'm going to have to. Yeah, Verstappen. Okay. It's the only logical thing. I think on the back of testing, like you'd be mad to think anything else right now. But I mean, that could all change on Friday morning, but we'll see. This is the absolute worst time for us to not get to see Friday practices. Really hard. (laughs) I feel we should change the rules at least for this just first one. It's, it's all right. We'd, Go on, Tom. What's yours? We, if, if nothing else, do, do it me? this way. Guarantees we'll never have the awkward situation where one of us wins the predictions league. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different to both of you because <sighs> we're at that point of the season where making a bit of a different choice can have its best effect because things aren't kind of settled down. So I'm going to be really ballsy, I think, and say Perez. Oh, wow. I like, do you know what? I'm okay with that. If you'd have said Hamilton and been right, I would have been <laughs> livid. But Perez, yeah. I, I'll give you that. That's a good I, well, I could live with Perez. Do you want to know who I think is going to win? Go yes. on, Valtteri Bottas. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Valtteri Bottas, as it's become known, <laughs> thanks to Drive to Survive. <laughs> I haven't seen that episode yet, but I've heard an awful lot about it. So, yeah, I'm going with Valtteri Bottas. How about you, Chris? Um, Constant. Oh, damn it. This is so difficult. I think this is the hardest it's ever been. It feels that way, doesn't it? Like, yeah. The last couple of seasons, like, you can normally just say Hamilton for these first two and you've got a fairly (laughs) solid chance, but. Literally you know what's going to happen though don't you he's going to turn up and get pole and win of course he is yeah and um, none of us will have said any of it <laughs> Verstappen 
Ooh, a double, a double ver. I'm starting sensible. And for yourself, Stu, on the winner? I am going to go Hamilton because they did look oh. decent on their long run. Oh. Long run. So I am going to say Hamilton. He's done it. Um, oh. I'm keeping the faith, boys. Keeping the faith. You are. But that puts you in the, the awkward situation of being first on first DNF now. Oof, so DNF. out of oh, that. It's Mazapan, isn't it? Easy. Yeah, you're going with Mazapan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris? Um, I'm trying to think who was a bit ropey on reliability in testing. Um, Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, that's the... There could be like a Mercedes engine, a power uniteed car struggling somewhere. Maybe Ricardo. Ricardo has terrible... Uh, do you know what? Usually. I'm going to give the answer that I don't want to be true. Oh, it's Mick Schumacher, isn't it? No, it's not quite that oh. mean. It's uh, Sebastian oh. Vettel. Oh, okay, Vettel. Okay. Oh, no, please no. <laughs> I'm just looking at Chris's prediction. It's Ver Ver Vett. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it just looks good. Um, okay, for me, I'm going to go with the one that will definitely cause the most outrage for said driver. This driver will definitely be the most frustrated with the situation, and I can just see it <laughs> happening. Exactly it's Fernando Alonso. <laughs> oh, savage. <laughs> it's going to happen. He's going to be so annoyed, and it's just going to all start again for him. Um, Chris, number of finishers out of the 20 cars, how many do you think will finish the race? Let's see. Last time it was eight. Teen classified finishers, I believe. Um, well, 17 this time. 17, that's a good old classic. Um, I think because we've had some slight issues in the Mercedes camp and they are the, the most used engine supplier, I'm going to go a little bit less in case there's some gearbox issues and stuff and go 16 i already think and i i'm wrong and you're right on that one and yeah Stu? i think i think 16 as well you're gonna go I think we're, we're diff- our predictions are different enough this week that i can match you on is it, yeah is it too late to i mean it's very early in the season as well remember I'm, there's I'm 20 already, 23 races this Tom, season i am already thinking about the end of the season <laughs> i'm not even kidding like, I, I think me, me and you need no offense chris but me and Stu <laughs> definitely need to think about this <laughs> for, the long, <laughs> for the long haul because of how close it was between the two of us last season yeah we were close it was literally all season last it was literally half a point between us for the last something like six races How and you just kept i think i it? i think i was the one ahead of you but it was half a point you got a half point somewhere i think and it just we kept outscoring each other one race and the other and the half just kept flipping one way and the other yeah. you, you both had but a pretty shocking I, running actually i actually caught you up a little bit towards the yeah, end we did. all right all right chris all right just because yeah, why'd, why'd you neck him chris <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just fun to watch from down there near the bottom of the table <laughs> yeah. from with your binoculars <laughs> random driver chris can you generate first random driver of the year first time i've loaded up random.org in some time oh yeah Uh, first random driver of the season antonio giovanazzi oh interesting george russell thinks that uh alfa romeo were the um quietly the surprise team of testing not sure I mean, why he thinks that, but he does. <laughs> the, in theory, the car's now better because of the better Ferrari power unit in mm-hmm. it. 
Um, I mean, it's very difficult to find a place to put him. He was 16th I'll, last year. I'm going to go with a slight improvement, but not by much, and say 14th for me. Like, not at the back of the running order, but not far off from it. What about you, Stu? 11th. Ooh. Ooh. Knocking on the door of points for you. And Chris. I think you're both a little high there. I'm going to go 15th. I mean, you've kind of got him similar place to me. Me, 14th, 16th finishes. You, 15th, 17th finishes. Yeah, I'm thinking like the Hass is going to be behind him. At least one of the Williams, I would say. He's normally... To be fair, he's been there or thereabouts with his teammates. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all right with that. Okay. Okay. Okay, so that is our predictions. Uh, ridiculers by submitting your own and beating us this week at backofthegrid.com. <laughs> um, and when you do beat us, be sure to ridicule us publicly if you want. I don't care. <laughs> um, but, yeah, make sure you do join in because if you are lucky enough to... Su- I'll tell you what, if someone gets a five out of five in the first week... Whew, we're shutting it down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's a fix. Goodbye, goodbye patron money. Someone's ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> goodbye, patron money. <laughs> um, but that is that. So, as I say, head to backofthegood.com if you want to join in. And now we'll move on to. Keep me saying now. Stay up. Bounce, bounce, First this week, Holly says, do you think Perez will break the jinx on the second seat at Red Bull? And Wesley Paul says, how long before Max fully realises that Checo is for real and not just there to play second fiddle? My guess is lap 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's very specific. (laughs) It's like, how long do you think? My guess is lap 10 of the first (laughs) race. Hmm. I mean, I think you might realise that going into turn one of the first race, to be totally honest. I imagine Perez just slings it over the inside. Yeah. I mean, we know he's not afraid to do that, teammate or otherwise. So, and he, he, I think he's like, this is my chance. This is my chance to prove a point as well. So, oof, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think on that front, it's going to happen sooner rather than later for sure. In in sort of Wesley's question side of things. Yeah, and if like if if anyone's going to break this so-called second seat jinx it's someone like Perez isn't it like this is why a lot of people wanted Perez or Hawkenberg to get this seat to yeah try and figure out once and for all why no one can achieve anything in the second seat at Red Bull so he's mm. a known quantity isn't he yes. I think um on the question of um, how long before Max realizes Checo is for real and not there to play second middle Max already knows that uh, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Perez is is not there to play second fiddle. I think you can tell just by the way testing went and by the way they were both pushing. Like they're definitely there's there's a real rivalry between those two. I think already. So I'm excited to see how it pans out. Yep, same. Nice. Um, Rayan F1 says, with what's shaping up to be the best season in quite a few years. Are you a bit sour that the new regs are coming in next year to change it all up again, or are you still pumped for the change? Hmm. It's bittersweet, isn't it? It's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see the new cars and what they do with it and how things change visually, because obviously being the sort of visual person that I am, I I, I like that sort of stuff. I want to see the cars still going fast 
which they should do. Um, but I want to see a close. I want to see close racing as well, and I think it will. Sp- I think it will spread it spread the field apart again a little bit myself, to be honest. But um, I think the. We'll see. Although it was never sort of by design to be like this, it was only sort of circumstance that caused it. I think the fact that the engine formula is staying the same is going to help things stay a bit closer because yeah, the engines have are much closer together now than they were a few years ago. I think if it was a full change, new engine formula and new cars. Yeah, there would be probably a lot of field spread and it opens the door for someone to do what Mercedes did with the current regs and just run away with it. Whereas I think keeping the engines over, which are sort of known quantities at this point, that'll help the transition maybe not be quite as big a change. But yeah, as the other thing that'll help is the the fact that the um, the regulations are changing spending cap wise. Like that, they're not going to be able to just throw money at yeah. things the way they used to. So yeah, that should reduce the field spread somewhat. I think as well. But my my yeah, my feeling to repeat my feeling is that. You change regulations, especially as drastically as this, there will be haves and have nots, and it, you'll tend yeah. to find that the haves yeah. gain time and the have nots lose a lot of time. So. It tends to be the way. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cordwolf says With limited testing, new drivers, and changes to aero, do you think the first race could be as crazy as the first race in 2020? Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. I hope so. I think. It's weird, like Bahrain was never my favourite circuit for the first few years of it, but it's actually like a race I really look forward to now. I don't know what it is about the current cars and that track, but they just seem to gel well. Like we've had a lot of really good races there and I think opening the season there is is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be interesting. And I mean, the only slight downside for me i think i don't know if this is a downside or not but we'll find out is obviously we go to spain a lot for testing where drivers are dialed in pretty quickly but then we don't race there until much later in the year the only thing with this year is like we've tested and then we're going to race there straight away so i think that there's a lot of stuff that teams have maybe already started thinking about that was race prep for this weekend to a degree i think mm-hmm. which might take the shine off it a little bit but we'll see the mercs of the merc engine cars the merc powered cars have got a lot of work to do anyway haven't they so exactly, we know yeah. That. Mm-hmm. yeah next russ williams says uh two country related questions what are your favorite murray walker moments and alex jakes will replace ben edwards on channel 4 f1 this weekend big shoes to fill have you heard much of him and will he do a great job uh i guess to answer the second part first yes we have heard a lot of him because he has done and he's continued to actually the f2 and f3 commentary for a number of years now and he's brilliant he's really really brilliant um he's really good He's um, Ben Edwards is a big loss for Channel Four because he was also great. But yeah, like if anyone could fill those shoes, Alex Jakes is the guy to do it for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. I have a little story about Alex Jakes. Alex Jakes, um, he because he's yeah he was doing the F two commentary last season, and I remember the the last I think it was the last race. So it was one of the last races of the season. It was a really epic race, and he was really on it for the entire. Um, you know, he he called everything out exactly as it happened. 
in a really exciting way. He had just the right level of passion, just the right level of knowledge and just the right level of excitement about what was happening. And it was all, it all combined together perfectly to make it so that you Mm -hmm. could really understand clearly what was going on in a very, very complex race situation. Um, And I'd, I'd watched the race and I knew, uh, I went down for my lunch and he was walking out. I have to walk by the commentary booth on the way to (laughs) get my lunch. And he was walking out just as, um, I was, uh, as I was walking past it and, um, I sort of just, uh, I knew it was him, but I was like, was that you on the commentary? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. That was me kind of thing. I was like, I thought you did an amazing job. That was really, really good. And that was my brief interaction with Alex Jakes. And oh. now he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> commentary friends. <laughs> he's definitely not my best friend, but um, he's, a, he's a wicked commentator. So yeah, yeah great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I'm also really glad he's still doing the F2 and F3 stuff alongside yeah. his new F4. God, he's going to be non-stop, he's be... isn't he? That's a hectic <laughs> weekend he's got ahead. Really busy, yeah. He's basically talking 24-7 for a race weekend, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and as for the Murray Walker moments, um, so my, my favourite one of all time has always been there are seven winners of the Monaco Grand Prix on the starting line today and four of them are Michael Schumacher. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I can't even one. say it without laughing. Um, yeah. But another, because obviously like recently loads of people have been posting these things online. It's been really nice to go back and read them. And one that I've seen posted that I had forgotten about is, and now the boot is on the other Schumacher which is actually <laughs> genius. Like when it, it sounds like yeah. a really silly thing to say, but in a race where there are two Schumachers racing, that's actually legitimate that's genius. And I love it. And the literal translation of the surname Schumacher. Yes. It's like, it's multi-layered. It's like a, yeah, it's got so many layers wow. to it. I love a multi-layered. Yeah. I think you've just given me my new favorite. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Murray Walker crap. That is amazing. It's... I love a joke with layers. Yeah. I love a joke when you have to really think about it to fully appreciate it. That's a good one. Um, yeah. I think that it's happened immediately is like my standout one. Yeah. Sort of, you know, it was, was Senna and Prost, wasn't it? In yeah. The Ferrari at Suzuka. Um, and it's happened immediately. It's one of those ones, yeah, like we were saying last week, where the visuals and the commentary are so intertwined. One can't exist without the other anymore. Like yeah. if that commentary is part of that moment. Also imagine watching the rest of that race. You just, just been so right. Because <laughs> the whole thing ended on like the first corner. Um, yeah, but Murray still made it entertaining. Mur- yeah, of course. Murray made something that was fairly procedural sound entertaining. Yeah. Because oh, yeah, of absolutely. his enjoyment of it and sharing I think his without it. Him, I think that was it. Without him, commentary in F1 would be quite different now. Oh, absolutely. 100%. That combined with... I mean, I'm not saying it's right or not, but a lot of people harp back to, oh, races are boring now. They were much more exciting in, like, say, the 80s or 90s or whatever. But I, I, honestly, I genuinely think he was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. He made yeah, things sure. that weren't necessarily that exciting seem... Ten times more exciting. Yeah. I, I know that. I know that. I think that as a sort of a, a young kid at the time, like he was, and I was listening to his voice on all sorts of stuff. Like he turned up on the bikes and the touring cars and stuff as as well. Like, yeah, you know, his voice was everywhere, and it was like it was almost as much as you were you were tuning in to to listen to him as you were to watch the sport that you were about to sit down and watch. Like it was almost a fifty fifty split at times. So, and I don't think you can say that about about a sport like it's not very often you sit down to watch a game of 
football or rugby or or anything and you think well i really hope that commentator's on because they're like they're as much of the experience as everything else and he's it was definitely one of a kind for that 100 percent yes absolutely okay so grid finder um asks why was george russell not featured at all in drive to survive um (laughs) the secure gp was my favorite of the season they would have had time to tell that whole story if they'd reduced Christian Horner's airtime on the show by just ten percent. <laughs> Probably true. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I do find Christian Horner a little bit sort of. Um, he's not my favourite person on that TV show. I have to say. I I mean, it gives you a bit of an insight into Christian Horner, though. Like, I mean, a lot of us that have followed the sport for a long time kind of know that he can be like that. But I think that that show helps give a bit of an insight into how ruthless Red Bull and him as a combination can be. He's always... Something about him always bothered me, like on the team radio as well. And I couldn't Mm. work out what it was. But I think what it is, whenever you hear him speak, and even on the team radio, it always sounds like he's sat down and rehearsed it to make him sound as cool and interesting as possible, and to like <laughs> to to have a sound, make sure it's like a nice sound bite that will get played. I think that's what bothers me most about him. It's really too considered. Yeah. Mm. Um. To answer the question though, why George Russell wasn't featured and the Sakir oh, Grand yeah. Prix, the short answer is Netflix weren't there. Because of yeah. the way everything went down last season, they just couldn't be at every race. And that's one of the ones, unfortunately for them, that they weren't yeah. at, I believe. It, actually, that that race and Abu Dhabi as well, because yeah. the the uh, social distancing rules in those countries were just so hectic. Yeah, it was very it's tricky to get people in and out in, of those. It was impossible to get anyone other than actual F1 personnel yeah. in and out. So, yeah, that was that. Shame. Shame. <laughs> Shame. Uh, and then to round off this week, uh, Yuka Snaily says, which planet or moon in the solar system other than Earth would you like to see a Grand Prix held at? Close cockpit, of course. Just, just to round us off on some classic Ash Foster nonsense. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if that question oh, he's was going, asked... You know, we missed a bit. He's going oh, with Titan. Oh, yeah, his choice would be Titan. Sorry, yeah. yeah like, if, if you'd have asked that question and not put the name at the start of it, I would have known straight away that it was from Ash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would as well. <laughs> um, see, the, the problem is, like, the answer I want to go for straight away is, like, pick somewhere that's got higher gravity than Earth. So, like, the cornering speeds would be mental because they'll <laughs> just be getting pulled into the ground. Problem is... All the places in the solar system with higher gravity than Earth uh, are gas giants, and it'd be hard to hold a Grand Prix when your car just sinks through the surface <laughs> at the start of the race. Mm. So I'm going to go the other way and say Mars because the gravity is a little bit lower than Earth and the atmosphere is a lot thinner. So Ooh. they'll just like the aero will be like non-existent, but the top speeds will be ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, don't I don't know really much know about my planet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know enough about the consistency of every single planet and moon mm. to really be able to commentate on this. What about like Venus is incredibly similar to Earth, isn't it? It's always known as the Earth's twin. Yeah, Venus is closest. Um, so, that, well, that'd be just the same though, wouldn't it? Acid rain on the Pirellis might not be the best combination. There you go, Venus with acid rain. <laughs> 
I feel like this is just a, a conduit for Chris to tell us all much about how much he knows about space. Yeah, this this is just um, Ash and Chris <laughs> like space, space indulging out. each other's space talk. To be fair, I love a bit of space. Um, what, which planet is it around? Which moon is it around? Uh, is it one of Saturn or Jupiter's moons? Europa? Yeah. That's the ice planet? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a, a, oh, that'd a chilly be one. One for the Finns. Yeah, that'd be a fun that could, a lot of sliding. Bust those spike tires that I've used a few times for promo yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, That's, that'd be I'm cool. going to go with that to, <laughs> that to put like something vaguely intelligible into the, uh, the madness. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, that was our inbox quite nicely. Bono, my tires uh, have melted. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've we've alluded to it a little bit already in this show, but um, it's just quickly to mention the the Patreon that we set up and launched last week. Um, it's been really awesome to see how many people have already responded and got involved with it. Um, so thank you to every single person that has done that, no matter what level you choose to support us at there's a little bit of something that you get back out of it but also it obviously helps us with what we're doing and we're going to be producing some extra content some specialized mini series that will um some will be exclusive to patreon and that's the only place you'll get them some might be timed exclusive but there's going to be all sorts of other stuff as well uh, we've got a couple of people at the top top tier up there which we've called team principal and that's mark mcneil and wesley paul so you'll get a shout out for the foreseeable future while ever you're there, as will anybody else at that level. So thank you to everyone, but also those up there. Um, that is it for this week. Oh, just just mentioned as well um, with Patreon that um, everyone who joins will get access to uh, our Discord where yes. um, at least one of us, probably a couple of us, will be around every um, race weekend so we can have some sort of live chat during the session. So I'm really looking forward to... Uh, chatting to everyone who's joined that already because there's already yeah. quite a few people on there i'm actually really excited about that yeah it's gonna be really I, good i can't yeah. wait to like that w- see what kind of hilarious interaction I, I normally occur. just like tweet stuff during the race but let's face it twitter 90 percent of the time is just screaming into the void so it'll be nice mm-hmm. to actually like be able to have conversations with people yeah and then we can steal all those conversations and post them on twitter <laughs> <laughs> claim them as our own tweets now we won't do that well, maybe we will sometimes if it's really good, but <laughs> we'll credit you. <laughs> really good. We'll credit you. Yeah. yeah. At this point, they would be paying us for us to treat their thoughts. Yes. It's genius. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'll quickly end the show. So thank you to everyone who's joined us this week. Um, enjoy the Bahrain Grand Prix. We look forward to seeing all your predictions coming in during this week. Uh, and see who comes out on top remember to head to backofthegrid.com if you want to join in with that or send us a message from there uh, and you can find us on twitter which is back of the grid f1 you can find us on instagram at back of the grid and you can find us on facebook as well by just searching for back of the grid if you want to get in touch at all over the race weekend uh, we will see you next week to review it all so that is it from us goodbye for this week bye bye <laughs>